Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We inform, equip, and train so you can be prepared to respond and recover from any man-made or natural disaster or situation. And today, we are going to discuss security. So for those of you who are new to the AMCON universe, every month on our website, we highlight one particular category of the 12 we've chosen for ultimate preparedness. And in March, we covered security. So we are going to discuss security on today's show. And one of the reasons I think this is a really great topic to cover is because there's a lot of different areas we can be putting our attention toward when it comes to this idea of security. Back in the day, we had security and defense put together, but it turns out they're actually quite different in many regards. So we've split them up and now we specifically target security as its own category because of this multifaceted way that we can begin to view security in our own lives. And this can be personal security, home security, it can be your internet and cyber security, your vehicle security, your family safety plans defensive skills and self-defense, which is where we start to bring in that defensive category. And of course, there's also safe travel practices. And those are going to be the seven categories I'm going to cover today. Because for a lot of us, we can have attention toward one or two of these, but having an entire scope of what it means to feel secure, to be able to hold on to some level of certainty in what you know amounts to a very chaotic and uncertain world, it's important. It's important to be able to have at least dipped our toe in all seven of these. And these are just seven because I'm not trying to turn this into a marathon podcast episode. But specifically, I've written a lot of different security posts for the member site and for the non-member site, which you can go access at AmericanContingency.com. And so I want to get straight into this because we do have a lot to cover in this when it comes to security. And I want to make sure that each one of these categories within the security category gets its time on stage. So let's first discuss our personal security awareness. We talk a lot about situational awareness. And in fact, it's its own category. And we'll be covering that down the road. When we talk about personal security awareness, we can be noticing what's going on around us. Again, situational awareness and being able to just notice potential threats. Exit locations at a movie theater, exit locations at a restaurant. We're not sitting here fear-mongering. It's not our bag. That's not our game here. However, it's not too hard to flip on the television and see that there are a lot of uncertain moments being thrust upon people in situations where, let's say back in the day, perhaps they would not have to have been so curious about exits for fear of there being somebody who came into a situation they were in looking to be nefarious, looking to cause mischief. So it's important to be looking for exit locations. This is something that can take five, 10 seconds. It's not like you got to sit there and map it out on a piece of paper. Just be noticing what's around you. And where would you potentially exit a location of a establishment you were in if something started to go sideways? Also, how much are we looking at our phones? Earbuds in, jamming out to some music, not really paying attention to what's going on around us. Reducing distractions, 
such as these headphones and the smartphones while we're walking will absolutely increase your awareness, which is going to increase your personal security. I cannot tell you how many times I have watched people cross the road looking down at their phone. I'm really curious at what point did people stop looking both ways before crossing? Like I get the United States of America has sort of been labeled this, you know, Sue happy culture, but somebody steps out in the middle of the road and they don't necessarily have the right of way and they get smacked by a car. You're not really taking anyone to the cleaners on that, but you might be walking away with a pretty bad limp for the rest of your life. So if you or somebody else, you know, is walking around in situations, staring down at a phone, I might recommend you just look up for a little bit. Nothing on that phone is not going to be there looking for you later when you're searching for it. And also, I'd like for you to be paying attention to the trusting of your instincts. If something feels wrong, more than likely, there's something in your gut that knows unconsciously that things could go awry. Again, not fear-mongering, but trusting our own internal instincts, it might be best for you to remove yourself from that situation. Back in the day, I remember finding myself in some pretty, pretty precarious situations because I did not trust my instincts. Other times, I was a little bit more in tune with what was going on inside my body, and I said, you know what? Probably best I'm not in this situation anymore. So be mindful of trusting your instincts, maybe taking out the earbuds and looking up from your phone and absolutely paying attention to your surroundings, knowing exits, knowing what's going on. Um, All of a sudden you hear a bunch of voices get raised. You might want to at least give that some attention. Uh, You're not too cool for school when it comes to your own personal security awareness. So that's the first one. Telling you we're coming out of the gate hot, my friends. Home security systems and measures is number two. Now, Home security systems. I actually wrote about this not too long ago on the Amcon site about really interesting ways that you could protect your home that were outside the box. I was talking about like planting rose bushes in front of windows and um, having sprinkler systems that you could turn on from the inside in case you saw somebody, you know, lurking about your lawn. And I really was aiming just for some outside the box ones there because it was important that we're not just sitting here rummaging through the internet looking for topics, that we're coming up with some things that are just rather unique to us. Now, these three I want to cover, emphasizing the role of an alarm system, securing your doors and windows, and discussing smart home technology. This is absolutely things that you can search for on the internet. Not going to be too hard to locate information about this. When it comes to the role of alarm systems, I've actually talked to people who um, are experts in this area, and they have informed me that some of the traditional long-standing alarm companies that we're so used to, and I'm not going to sit here and plug them, nor am I going to dog them because that's not my role on this show, that what they were saying about these is that not as beneficial as they once were, that the rise of so much technology that we can actually put on our own homes might lead us to want to go with something that we could buy that puts a camera right there at our back door and it alerts us to our smartphone. And so when you think about alarm systems, yes, is there a deterrent there? Absolutely. I would think a really loud sound while somebody's trying to break into your home is absolutely going to deter them. But if there's not a mechanism for that information to get to you, regardless of 
of your home or not so you can see what's going on out there and you can quickly alert authorities or get yourself prepared in your own house for an invasion, then that's where I believe that we start to miss some of the key steps. And so let's just jump right to the smart home technology. There's security cameras, there's light sensors, there's so many different things that we can buy now that we can install ourselves. I think it would be a misadvantageous for us if we did not step into securing our own home. Again, I get what a lot of people would say about that. You can cut power lines, you can cut the electricity to the house, you could perhaps even hack it from the street. These are some areas you're going to want to be mindful of when you go to set this up and perhaps putting your home security system on a backup generator or having some level of um, power battery poweredness for it so that if somebody were to disable your electricity or the power were to go out, you would still have these things readily available. Um, I'm not sitting here trying to plug a product, but it did just come to mind. I know the ring often doesn't even get triggered unless somebody walks in front of it. Therefore, more than likely, if that's set up to some sort of battery backup generator, you're not burning through too much of that power if nothing is going in front of that camera. So you're going to need to do your own research. We have certainly done a plethora of that for you on our member's site, and you can go and join that, and you can actually get some tips and tricks from people who are very much astute in this particular area of home security and defense. And then, of course, securing doors and windows to prevent break-ins. I mean, you can upgrade your locks. You can install reinforced doors. One of my things that my dad used to tell me when I was younger was that locks just keep honest people honest. If somebody is really, you know, in a desperate situation, they might go for it no matter what you put around your home. But at least secure doors and windows might just keep somebody who's just looking for a little hobby for the evening from actually getting into your home. And you'd be amazed how many people are not checking their windows regularly. Somebody could have opened it up in the middle of the day to get a fresh breeze in and not closed it all the way. You should at least be doing a walkthrough of the windows and letting people in your home know that if a window is opened, it should be closed and secured as soon as ever. it's no longer needed to be open. So I will say that. I know that's pretty self-explanatory there and definitely something that most of you all have heard, but I think it's important that every once in a while we just reassess our knowledge on some of these topics. And so internet and cybersecurity is our next one because I believe that our own personal information is one of our most important assets to keep secure. And that being said, even I don't think I'm doing that great of a job at it. I mean, do I use a lot of really random, difficult passwords on the sites that are important to me? Absolutely. I mean, that's just something that most Macs do for me. Give out some ridiculous, I mean, like Bitcoin couldn't have a more difficult password than some of my accounts do. I would really highly recommend that you use strong, unique passwords for these banking accounts and anything that's going to have some serious implications if somebody were to hack it. Am I worried about somebody hacking my Pinterest account? No. I am not. <laughs> am I worried about somebody hacking my Facebook account where I've actually got certain things connected a little bit more? Am I worried about my bank accounts and other very important sites that hold very important details about me, including my bank records? Absolutely. You're going to want to figure out how difficult you need to make a password. You know, is Etsy need the most difficult password in the whole entire world? I don't think so. 
others would say yes because it does have previous orders and things of that nature. So again, I'm starting to get lost in the sauce. You'll need to figure out for yourself, but I absolutely think that you should be using um, very unique and difficult passwords for those accounts that are important to you. Also, are you regularly updating your software? in order to make sure it's protected against the latest threats. Lots of different software packages out there, lots of different operating systems, lots of different internet web browsers. Are, are you familiar with how protected you are on all of them? Um, are you even familiar with the one that, that protects you the most, that you're on the most? Most of us are not keeping up with the technological advances on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you're using something regularly, you should at least be paying attention to how that one is protecting you. And then, of course, phishing emails and other scams. Now, I'm not so sure there's many of us falling for the old prince from Africa emails promising me tens of thousands of dollars if I were to just simply give them my bank information so that they could transfer the money directly into my account. I don't know how many people are still getting that one um, into their inboxes even, but I do know one of my friends whose elderly grandmothers recently fell for a scam of that nature that came through her phone via a text message. So it's not just these phishing emails, which are pretty obvious to locate. We got to be really mindful of the texting ones that come through now. I had somebody steal my Google voice number because uh, while I was trying to sell something on Facebook Marketplace. I don't even know why they would want that, but I certainly figured it out pretty quickly and made sure that I changed all that stuff up. Unsolicited communication is one of the primary ways that these phishing scam people get a hold of you. So whether it's coming via text or it's coming via email, or however it might be showing up, you want to be extremely mindful. Here's one I've noticed more than one person in my circle having gotten nabbed for. If you get an email that looks like it's coming from your bank or some other place that's saying that you have been hacked or some other way violated via the internet, be mindful of the internet email address it's coming from. No company is ever going to send you an email from an at Gmail email address. That's just not what they're going to do, ever, period, point, blank. It's not. You're not going to get an email from your bank that's got an at Gmail at the end of it. When I get some emails that say they're from my bank, even if they look just like every other email from my bank has ever looked, I just simply read what it's trying to tell me, and then I just go and I open up a new tab and I log into my account directly that way and I just go to where the notice or the information would be located that that email was telling me I needed to go read. I do not use links that are going to jump me over to bank accounts or anywhere else that is holding important information. Heck, I won't even do it for my GoDaddy account. I just think it's important that I am going straight to the source and then locating the information that the email is relating to. I do not follow links and emails I just do my best. Now, if it's one of those sales emails that's coming from a newsletter that I know that I have joined, sure. But if I get random ones from my podcast that say, hey, we'll help you, blah, 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 blah. I look at the back end of that email's URL and then I go directly to that. So if it was Jesse Mogul at AmericanContingency.com, I would literally just go to AmericanContingency.com by looking at it in the email where it shows the email address and just whatever comes after the at sign, that's what I just copy and paste directly over into a new tab. Then I go directly to that site because sometimes I get emails that 
all right, this information doesn't sound too bad, but I'm not just going to use that link to jump directly over to that website because I have no idea where it might be taking me. I knew a friend who got their entire Coinbase account hacked and drained because they did not listen to what I just explained to you. So be extremely mindful of the email address that information is coming from. If it looks slightly shady and it's got a bunch of weird letters and numbers and it looks like it was computer generated, probably a click alarm from Southeast Asia. You're going to want to stay away from that. Number four, vehicle security. I like my car. In fact, I love my car. It gets me from point A to point B. It was one of the nicest cars. I, in fact, let me just take that back. It was the nicest and still is the nicest car I've ever owned. And I have to drive it places and then leave it and hope that it's safe. And I do my best to make sure that there aren't valuables that you can see through the windows. And you can do things like reinforce your door locks. I've seen some people still using that bar that goes over the steering wheel. Um, You can choose a parking spot extremely carefully. I'm one of those people who does not want dings in my car. I got backed into one time, cost $1,500 because the person hit and ran. I'm not messing around with parking spots. I will park further away to make sure that I have plenty of space around my car. I will strategically locate my car underneath the street lamp in the Walmart parking lot just because, again, I do park further away. Love me to get those steps. So I'm looking for well-lit parking spots, especially uh, where it might be less busy than other parking lots where there could be potential thieves hiding. I remember back in the 80s when the stories on the news would talk about how thieves would hide underneath the car and slash on people's feet to have them fall down and then they'd steal all their Christmas presents, destroying Christmas forever, the Grinch who stole Christmas. Now, I'm not hearing about that happening much anymore, mainly because there's just so many other ways that people have figured out to rob us. So just be mindful. This goes back to that personal security and situational awareness. Do you know what's going on around you as you're walking up to your car? It's very important. Head on a swivel. And then again, we discussed those anti-theft devices such as steering wheel locks and immobilizers and you know car alarms. That might have been great in the 80s. I remember when they first went off, like everybody ran to it. Like, I will catch the bad guy. Let me be the hero. That sound emanating from a car is just so obviously apparent now for so many people that we've basically tuned it out. We've basically gotten to the point where we hear a car alarm and we're like, not my car alarm, or we'll look out our window. Nope, my car looks fine. So I would not necessarily trust a car alarm to be my only theft deterrent. At some point, I just have to walk away from my car after I've chirped it and just trust that everything will be fine when I get back. If it's not, I would make sure I have really, I do make sure I have really car insurance. Why did I say that like I was stepping into the third person? Um, I would think I would have good insurance. I know I have good insurance because it's important that if something does happen to my car, at least that I know I can take care of it. So you can always lock your vehicle, which seems pretty obvious. But again, I know for a fact I've got friends who've been like, I left my car unlocked the entire night, and now I'm confused as to why my radar detector is no longer in there. (laughs) Because you left your car unlocked. It keeps honest people honest, my friends. So your vehicle security is extremely important, especially if you're keeping your go bags in there, your bug out bags, if you happen to travel with a weapon in your car as well. And I know in many states that is absolutely perfectly legal. 
Just another reason that you want to make sure your car is secure when you walk away from it. Family and safety plans. Family security. I mean, that's what we're all about. We're all about family. We're all about security of the community. What are you doing about family safety plans? I want to talk about the importance of having a clear, concise plan in case of a home emergency, such as a fire or a natural disaster. Someone's coming on the podcast soon who's actually got a story about how a married couple's house caught on fire. One of them ended up in the backyard. Another one ended up in the front yard. They did not know the other one had gotten out safely, and they both went back in to save the other one. And unfortunately, they did not survive that because they did not have a clear, concise plan of what to do in case of a home emergency. Having these conversations is integral to making sure that everybody is on the same page when things go sideways. Also, are you regularly practicing drills to ensure every family member knows what to do in case of an emergency? Well, it's really interesting is I actually have some friends who do coaching for other parents and they actually came up with a game they play with their children and they will call it the restaurant game or the airport game or the family emergency game. And they actually train their kids on how to behave in a restaurant or how to behave at an airport, how to behave at a shopping mall, how to behave at home if something dangerous occurs and they all need to figure out what to do in those moments. And I'll tell you what, I've been around these people's kids, and they are remarkably well-behaved in very particular situations. They get lost at a mall. They know to go to the security information desk. At an airport, they know to hold on to hands and not release. At a restaurant, they sit there, and they're quiet, and they color. They don't even stare at their phones. They don't even stare at their phones. It's very interesting how this works. You turn it into a game, and then they can say, okay, kids, we're playing the restaurant game. Go inside the restaurant, and everything's all nice and quiet. Hey, kids, we're going into a large public place. All right, we're going to play the crowded game. Next thing you know, all the kids are holding on to each other's hands, and they're being very mindful of where the other one is at all times. Family safety planning 101 right there. And, of course, we want to highlight the need for a communication plan in case you do get separated during an emergency. How are you going to make sure that you communicate? Most kids good, bad, right, wrong, however you'd want to see it, are getting a hold of a smartphone and having that in their pocket at ridiculously young ages. I mean, in comparison to the kind of technology I had when I was seven, which was like a big block Nintendo where you had to blow on the cartridge just to get the damn thing to work most of the time. Now we've got kids who literally pick up a smartphone at like three years old and are accessing anything they want to on it. I am blown away by how quickly the human brain can adapt to that kind of technology, have a communication strategy in place. Kids learn very quickly when it comes to tech. Get them on the same page as you. Defensive skills and self-defense. What is the psychological importance of feeling capable and prepared to defend yourself? We've talked about psychological resiliency and emotional resiliency. I mean, not just with Tom and Noel, but me and Lori Moreno very much covered it. What kind of psychological resiliency would that allow you to feel knowing that you could defend yourself if put in a situation where that's what you had to do? Could you even use somebody's body weight against them to get them to the ground? Could you get somebody to get their hands off of you? Get yourself out from a corner or backed up against a wall? So there's a lot of different ranges of self-defense options available, whether it's just basic physical techniques to personal safety devices. There are so many. A quick little class for a couple weeks, for a few hours, you know, once a once a week, 
for a day with the rest of your family, I'm telling you, it could go miles and miles and miles to helping everybody feel safer whenever they get out and about and things start to go sideways. It doesn't take long to learn some of these things and the the payoff at the end is just astronomical. And there are legal aspects of self-defense emphasizing, you know, these kind of um, importances of understanding local laws and regulations and how you're going to be able to intertwine what you want to do in order to keep yourself personally defended and what is legally allowable to do. This is very important. You know, just because you've got well, one of those little sticks that you whip out and all of a sudden it gets super long, used to know the name for it, totally escaping me right now. I had a buddy who bought one of those when we lived in Hollywood and carried it around in his bag. I went and did a little internet research. Those things were illegal. Now, sure, somebody might attack him and he might have been able to defend himself, but if he really seriously hurt them with an illegal weapon, there's a very good chance not only could he have been arrested, but he could have been sued by the person who was trying to attack him. Know your local laws, know your local regulations, and whether you agree with them or not, just realize there will be repercussions and consequences to not following the laws of the land that you happen to be living in or visiting. And speaking of visiting, let's close up with safe travel practices. There is a lot of importance that the internet community has placed around doing research on the destinations you're going and knowing the potentially unsafe areas where tourists tend to frequent. I know a lot of my friends who've gone to the Caribbean and they go to places with very bad poverty, with a lot of people who are at their brink, and it is very, very keenly obvious to me that there are certain areas in these countries that you are not meant to go into if you are not familiar with their local customs, languages, or basically have any level of awareness of what's going on in those areas and environments. You must know where you're going in the potentially unsafe areas. I mean, this would be obvious for anyone going to visit Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or Miami or Dallas. Like, Know where you're going. And be mindful of the internal compass inside of you leading you the right way. And when your intuition says it is absolutely leading you the wrong way, go back up to intuition from personal security that we started the show with. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. And then, of course, you're going to want to secure your belongings, right? Was it anti-theft bags, using hotel safes? Do you carry your wallet in your front pocket rather than in your back pocket? There's a lot of really interesting purses and wallets that have been invented now that will keep your stuff safe and secure. Use those zippers. I have been to many a festival because I love me some live music and have watched people walk around with their backpacks wide open or a purse that's only got a button protecting it. That is a not enough. Somebody is in a situation where they think you've got more than them and they are in need. If you are not using smart techniques with your personal belongings as you walk around in environments you're not familiar with, you could be the next victim. And then I want to close up with just simple situational awareness while you're traveling, just like you would have in your home. I mean, I think it's been said before not to be posting on your social media when you're out of town. Now, this is absolutely something to be mindful of if you have hundreds of Facebook friends who all live in the same city as you and many of them knowing where you live. 
I don't necessarily have a ton of friends on my Facebook page because I don't use it very often from the current city that I live in. But I'm also very mindful not to be posting a bunch of pictures of where I'm out and about when I'm not home. I don't know. You can Google things nowadays and find out the most ridiculous information. Do you really want your address being one of those things that's discoverable and then somebody realizing, hey, Bob Jenkins ain't home today. I think I'm going to go swing by his house. It won't matter what kind of security defenses you have around your home. If there's no one there to be mindful of the noises coming from it, it is just as likely that they'll get it into your home then as they would if you were there. In fact, at least then they're not worried about perhaps hurting you and then getting themselves in even more trouble if they were to get caught. So be extremely mindful of what you're doing when you travel. Be looking up. Be listening for noises that do not sound like they belong in these particular situations. And again, just be aware. So many of these things are what I would call not common sense and not even mundane, but these are things that you have probably heard before. And these are absolutely topics that we cover on our website because it is extremely important through repetition that things start to get through to every person out there. What might seem common sense and common knowledge to you might be completely foreign to somebody else you really care about. These are topics that you can go and start discussing with your friends, with your family members, with coworkers, with people in your hiking group. Like I know people who hike with earbuds in, in places where snakes, especially rattlers, couldn't be there in the pathway. Like I have an idea. Let's just listen to nature because sometimes the sound you'll hear could be the one that saves your life. These are topics that can literally be discussed at any point in time. Are you someone who wants more of the people around you to be aware of the things that you care about when it comes to personal safety, to preparedness, to readiness, to just general knowledge about ways to secure themselves no matter what environment they're in? This episode has just laid out 21 different topics for you. Our website, AmericanContingency.com, we're putting out 10, 15, sometimes 20 different articles a month that cover a myriad of categories, some of which I have already begun covering on this podcast and many of which are coming down the road. If you want more information about the episodes that are going to be covering categories and what ones we've already talked about. Of course, you can find that just as easily on any of the streaming platforms that you have been listening to us on. And you know, one of the last things I'll say about all this stuff, you can go back and listen to episode six, the 12 categories of MCONC preparedness. For many of you, you're not novices to this. You're actually quite prepared already. It's not just about you. It's about the ones that you care about and the ones that you love. If they're not secure and you are, how are you going to feel if you were holding on to information that maybe you didn't even think that they didn't know about, but you just never brought up to find out if they knew about it? A simple conversation can start up an entire learning session, growth session with you and someone that you care about. And from that, who knows? Maybe then you can actually start to formulate a preparedness plan with them. The importance of making sure it's not just you that's secure, but everybody that you love, that's going to pay dividends. 
Because if you're all locked up safe and warm in your house, while those that you love are out there braving the elements in a situation that you could have helped prevent them from being in, you're not going to feel too great about yourself whenever you figure that out. Best, you prepare for it now. And that's exactly what American Contingency is to help you figure out. So, that being said, when you're ready to build the skills and the network and the confidence to be ready for whatever comes next, join us at AmericanContingency.com. We'll be waiting for you there. Until next week, bye-bye.